If you missed the DSO Connect Retreat in Cape Coral, Florida back in July, you missed a whole weekend full of amazing, inspiring content to help you get organized and have a wildly successful season. For a limited time, we're offering our retreat replay for an unheard of $99. The amount of information and inspiration packed into this online course is easily worth 10 times that, but we're slashing the price temporarily to make it a no-brainer choice for you. Now that your season is underway, carve a little time out of your schedule to work on your business and not just in your business. The retreat replay could be just the thing. Seminar topics from this year's retreat include systematizing your studio using the five pillars of your business, ways to wow your customers, budgeting, creating a killer sales process, early childhood development and teaching tips, middle and high school classroom ideas, transitioning to the helm, and setting and achieving goals. To learn more and to grab your copy of the DSO Connect Retreat Replay today, go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab. Don't wait because the $99 price tag won't last long. and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Robin and today I'm flying solo and I am so excited to be here today talking with Dana Tibbetts from Northampton, New Hampshire. She is the owner and director of the Releve Dance Academy, which was founded in 2015. And she's also a member of our DSO Connect community. How are you, Dana? Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Did I say your last name right? You did. Okay. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your studio before we start diving into our topic for today. So I opened my studio in 2015 because I this I worked retail for a long time and my store closed and I said, you know what? I want to teach full time. I'm going to open my own studio. So I did. Um we started off small with a total of a thousand square feet. Um, and then I just expanded to 3000 square feet. So that was a big jump. Um, and part of that growth, I actually finished my second studio, my expansion, the week we had to shut down for COVID. Do you mean the second dance studio in your building or a second? So like I have two rooms now. Um, my second room, my mirrors were being installed the, like, as I got the call saying I have to close down. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, really? Um, so that broke my heart. Yeah, it did. But, you know, um, it actually ended up being a huge blessing in disguise and part of my giant, giant growth that I had over the next, you know, two years now. Um, I was able to keep my same class sizes. I was able to, cause we had to spread everybody out and we, because of the additional space, I was able to run pretty normal. Wow. That's amazing. So yeah. our topic for today, um, cause I didn't mention it yet is, um, I wanted to bring Dana on to talk to a studio owner that is killing it in their business in a post 2020 world. So some of us are trying to get back to our numbers where we were before the world went mad. And some of us are by 
some miracle or a ton of hard work are just killing it like Dana. And so we wanted to bring her on and see what she's doing. What's her magic formula? Is it luck? Is it your community? Do you have some, you know, special secret sauce that you can share with us? So um, why don't you tell us where your studio is now and just kind of take us on a little journey from, you know, when you had to shut down how long were you closed like how did what did that all look like did you decline and then did you come back up again or did you never go take us on a journey yeah um so i pulled up my numbers so um my 2018 to 2019 season um i had finished my year with 109 students and i was making about 3700 dollars a month okay not terrible i was paying my rent that's was my rent year um, and then 2019 to 2020, I actually went up to 200. I had 200 enrollments and I doubled my numbers. So I was making about 62 a month. Wow. So did you um, increase your prices? Is that what I, I did? Um, I increased my prices. I hadn't had a price increase in a couple of, since I opened. So with all the extra costs and all that. Um, and then I increased my prices even more for my season last year for 2020 to 2021. Um, I had about the same amount of enrollments, but I went from 6,200 a month to 6,800 a month. Wow. Which was awesome. I also, in that time, I got certified in acrobatic arts, which helped me because I kept losing kids to gymnastics. Mm. And they would always come back a couple of years later because they didn't want to do the bars. They didn't want to do beam. They only want to do, you know, the fun stuff like cartwheels and stuff. <laughs> so they would always come back and they still, all they wanted to learn was like a cool cartwheel or like, you know, something fun. So I got certified in acro arts and now I went from teaching, you know, my tiny tot ballet class every day of the week to, I have, seven acro classes right now and they're all at max capacity with a waiting list wow <sighs> so are you the only studio in town or i mean obviously there's gymnastics so yeah what's your community like so there's a mega your typical like mega comp studio down the street um so we kind of i have a i separated myself completely from there i teach very differently for that reason I can't compete with a studio that's been around for 30, 40 years. So, and they're that team that goes to competition and they are super clean, super neat, that powerhouse studio. I'm more, I base my whole philosophy on like super family friendly. I, I bring my kids to work. My teachers bring their kids to work. There's babies and kids running around constantly. We have a lot of fun we build through the community. I do a lot of, I help the PTA a ton. Mm. Um, when I first started, I had my old studio owner who I grew up dancing with, who taught me how to teach, who helped me kick off and run my studio, said, told me to get involved with the PTA. That is like number one, get involved with your PTA. Um, but so your I did. kids were in the school because you can't really be in the PTA if you don't have kids in school, right? I donate. Oh, I my kids are too young. Okay. Um, so whenever they have, you know, a play coming up and they need sponsors, I always sponsor at least like if I can give them 50 bucks, I'll do that. Um, and then that kind of, the PTA is very big and most of my families work for the school system. Oh, so it, 
kind of grew from there because then the parents start going to their teachers and saying, Hey, we're new to town. Where should we go for dance? And then I have like half the high school <laughs> teachers. Wow. Um, which is great. And I love it. And it's nice. Cause then when my kids eventually start going through the school system, they'll know all of their teachers and mm-hmm. the staff. <laughs> um, so That's between cool. macro arts and donating to PTA and just being super involved in the community, word of mouth definitely helped, especially with my like COVID protocols. I always follow all of my guidelines, even on like snow days, I follow the school system because one, no one can yell at me. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting strategy because it takes the, it takes the pressure off of you. Yeah. And last year also I was pregnant and I get severely sick while I am pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty much out of commission from October through the new year. Okay. So I barely taught because I couldn't get out of bed. Um, so I focused on from what I could, I just had to put all my systems in place to run my studio as smoothly as possible without me there. Yeah. Which worked out really well. What does your team look like? Do you have an admin team as well as a teaching team or are you basically the admin team? How does that work? I am admin and then I have two teachers. Okay. Um, so two of my two teachers kind of took my schedule and split it between themselves and really helped me. And then I would come in maybe a day or two a week if I could function. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my admin work, I usually do all of my um, costume ordering in November. So what I did is the day I found out I was pregnant, I went and measured every single one of my students. I put all of their costumes into my shopping cart on Wisman's. And when I processed all of my costume fees in November, I had them done. Nice. Nothing to worry about. All I had to do was, you know, enter in the couple new kids I got from there. And then I was done. Nice. So I set myself up to just have everything running as smoothly as possible because I knew I, it wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be healthy enough. And it sounds like you probably run your studio that way anyway, even when you're not pregnant. And it's a good way to be, you know, because you, we never know what is going to steal our time or our attention as business owners. And if we're the only man doing the job, then, you know, we can't have the whole machine screeching to a halt. So um, so I'm sure that that is something that you're really grateful that you have put into place or you had that kind of mindset already. Yeah, I, I'm a planner, too. And obviously what was the hardest thing is recital. I couldn't get into any of the schools. So I knew my recital was going to be triple what it normally is. And my recital pays my summer rent because no, not a lot of people do activities in the summer. I live in a beach town. Everybody just lives on the beach. (laughs) So So were you pregnant during 2020? Uh, no. Okay. So this was before this was after after okay so, so you october so, so you got the 2020 blow and yep. then you got you got a little slowed down but not really mm-hmm. um because you had really good planning skills you got pregnant and then mm-hmm. you had to go through that so now when, when was your baby born june three, three of, weeks after recital <laughs> yeah of 2021 yep okay so by now you are, you know, where are your numbers by now? 
So I mean, right now, no, no, no. I, in June of 2021, where were your numbers? Um, so I was on summer break. <laughs> so what I did is I, I usually close for the summer. I close for, from May till July. Okay. Um, what were your numbers when you finished your, or at your recital? At my recital? Um, I had just over 200 students at $6,800 a month. Okay. So that's fantastic. So then you break for the summer mm -hmm. and you spend the summer doing planning work for the new season. Tell me, is, is that what you do in the summer? Yep. Um, and then this is the first year I, I didn't teach at all over the summer and I loved it. I had my other two teachers. They went every other week and did their own summer camps. Oh, so they, I helped them pick the theme and whatever, and then they just ran with it and did whatever they needed and any supplies. They just sent me a list and I would buy them off of Amazon. So they did that from July to mid after the 4th of July to mid August, which was great. Um, I had huge enrollments with that. I usually never sell out summer camps and every single one of them got sold out. Wow. So were they week long summer camps or were they like mini, like one day, two day, three day things? I do a mini three day camp and they're like an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the age. Mm -hmm. And they're just super short, sweet. They're, um, the way my studio is, we're kind of in like a cul-de-sac that's empty. Wow. in the afternoons so we go outside so they could like play in our back like we had this like back parking lot that they can like play in oh and we did like we'll do fun outside activities we did water balloons we did everything um i ended up adding a camp because one sold out too fast it was it blew my completely blew me away this summer um and then when i started up this season i currently have 254 enrollments and i'm wow just under $11,000 a month. Wow. So you're really scaling and your income is not, your income is, is increasing at a higher percentage than your enrollments. Yep. So this, so, um, I did increase my prices again this year. Good. Do you feel like you're at, how do you, how do your prices compare to the mega studio up the road? Um, I'm just about, I'm a little lower than they are. Wow. So there's still room if you wanted to do another bump. Yep. Wow. Um, I also, I do all car classes, so I don't do any combo classes. So a lot of kids, instead of doing your typical like ballet tap, they'll do like a jazz and an acro class. And then they kind of jump around, which is great about I like doing that is because then usually once recital hits and then they watch all the other dances, the next year, the kid that just did like one jazz class is like, Oh, I want to do tap. Mm -hmm. And then they <laughs> will jump into tap. So I usually the classes that are lacking, like my tap class and then surprisingly my jazz classes also, um, they, I make sure one of those style dances is really cool. Like something that is super modern, like some newer age music, mm -hmm. get the kids excited. And then the next year I'll see a huge bump in that mm -hmm. enrollment for that one class. 
Nice. So what do you, would you say that you've kind of got a recreational studio then if kids don't like necessarily have to take ballet, they're, they're not taking a package. It's a, it's a rec program. What does your retention look like? Do you keep kids for many, many years? Do they grow up in your studio or is it just, you know, people try it, then it's like, oh, we're going to do swimming or, well, clearly you're retaining students, but are they the same students or are they new students that are coming in? So I am a rec studio. I just started uh, my competition team again this year. And I have like this adorable little mini group. There's only four of them and they're super, super hard workers. Um, so I did it that way. And I picked three really, or four really strong girls to go to competition. They've all been with me since they were babies. <laughs> And I know next year, all of their friends are going to want to do it too. Mm-hmm. So that's how I plan to grow my competition team. Okay. Um, but most of my students have been with me since the beginning. Um, a lot of like the teenagers that I kind of got in later, those kind of are in and out, especially like post COVID, a lot of them dropped because they want to do school sports and they need to get to see their school friends and things like that. Um, but a lot, most of my younger kids all come back. That's great. Do you feel, do any of the younger kids, um, are they at all lured or enticed away by soccer or like other things that are happening in the community that might want their time or, and I think that maybe this is something that's, um, I'm wondering if because you don't require the students to take a package of classes, it's easy for them to add the cheerleading or the soccer or whatever, and they can still take their jazz class on the other day of the week. And they don't have, whereas with my program where we require a package, it's harder for kids. It's kind of like you got to choose. You're either doing dance or you're doing soccer. And sadly, some kids are going to choose soccer. And so in your case, maybe they can do both. Whereas in a program where the, the packages are required, they really do have to make a choice. Would you say um, that? Thing? Yeah. So I do compete with soccer. So my Saturday mornings are so empty most of the time because everybody does soccer. Mm. And then I do rolling enrollment through January, as long as I can still order them a costume. Yeah, and there's room in the class and I can still get them a costume. Um, so a lot of the times my younger classes, because when soccer's over on Saturdays, they'll come and then they start in like November and December. Um, but I also try and offer the same level on different days of the week. And by now I kind of have a, I usually before I send out my schedule, I say like, Hey, when is soccer usually, when is basketball usually for the kids that I know like to do both. And I don't set in stone, make it there, but I try and even work it around the time. Like I know I offer like my five to seven year olds. A lot of the times they start doing soccer and basketball is right after school. So I make their classes just a little bit later and I have them kind of more of like the five thirty six o'clock classes. And then they're, they can still do both. Yeah. And they're just on the same day. And then I, I'm not fully directly competing. And I try and on those nights, I have all like my baby, baby classes, like my two-year-olds, my three-year-olds, all that chunk of the day. Nice. 
So that's a good strategy to kind of do a survey prior to creating your schedule to kind of feel that out so that you're not competing with it. You're kind of accommodating it. Yeah. So what would you say are the main ways that you market your studio? Um, I do a lot of Facebook marketing. Are you, are you doing paid Facebook ads or are you like posting in community groups and, and that kind of thing? I do paid Facebook ads. And then I also do usually either before recital or during the summer, I do a share to win Facebook post. So I do this like whole post and I make it like all about the studio. This like great ad with like all the kids on it. And then if they share it, they have entered to win free registration or first three month classes or and then I also do that for my open house. I made like this giant photo wall. I got big balloons that say Releve. They held a sign. And all they had to do was come to my open house, take a picture with a sign, post it on Facebook saying, I'm taking XYZ classes at Releve. And they got a first month's free of tuition and a hoodie. Wow. So you gave a lot of free tuition away, but you got a lot in a lot of exposure. Yeah, and the girl that um, the girl that ended up winning ended up having a birthday party at my studio. Mm-hmm. So what she was gonna pay, what like I was giving her, she ended up paying me anyways. <laughs> wow. Oh, so not everybody gets. Not everybody I'm, gets it. So I'm it's sorry. like you're entered to win something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that kind of stuff too. It's fun. We usually do a hundred dollar bill because. Yep. $100 bill is fun. And then the teachers or a brother could win or like everybody wants a $100 bill, whereas yeah. not everybody like the I wanted the teachers to get involved, too. But that's worked well for us, too. Yeah. The, the biggest struggle I have with that is um, keeping track of everybody who does it. So w- this time we said, you've got to come tell us and show us because I can't yeah. be spending hours and hours combing through Facebook looking for your shares and um and then if i if i miss one then you know yeah hashtags make that a little bit easier i found that they're not always 100 percent. well this was a couple years ago i when i did it we were raffling we were uh the prize was dinner and a show with miss robin Mm -hmm. which i love and i want to do that again now that um people are out and about in the world a little more um but i remember i combed through facebook to try to find all of them and then i wrote them all on a piece of paper there were all these slips of paper and i did a video and i showed it which i shouldn't have done because then mrs smith calls and says i only see my name on there three times and i posted four times and that was after i did the drawing and i'm like well now what do i like disqualify the whole drawing?" (laughs) so now it's like we just put the name you got to show us the thing we write you down we put your name in behind and then we just draw it yeah yeah so i think i was kind of overthinking it a little bit back then (laughs) i learned so okay so you do a lot of facebook marketing um the contests are super fun um what else and you talked earlier about word of mouth just Mm -hmm. people just talking about your studio and the pto um what what are you doing that we're not doing those of us who are still trying to get back to our numbers. Um, so during COVID, I talked to a lot of like my parent friends and the one thing their kids were obviously missing was like the social aspect because they couldn't go and hang out with their friends. 
So by the time they got to dance class, they didn't want to just do strict ballet bar and they, I couldn't get my kids to focus. So yes, I decided right to just roll with it. Like I have to meet their, like you have to meet kids where they are mm-hmm. and in that season of their life, they just want to be, have fun and play with their kids friends and not focus on who knows what is going on at home. Mm-hmm. So me and my teachers talked and we decided we made all of our classes as fun as possible from the babies all the way to the older kids. We played games. We did silly contests um, to keep kids motivated and wanting to go at home. So for Acro, I do monthly skill competitions and I started doing it at my jazz classes too. Um, so this time they had to hold their headstand the longest out of everybody in the Afro program, everybody. So that's like 70 kids. And the one winner gets to tell me their like favorite treat or snack. And I bring it into them the next week. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's easy. And I've never seen so many kids motivated. Um, last year, and it, you'd be so shocked on who actually wins. I had a six-year-old win a plank competition last year because she held it for like 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, my class is going. Like, right, right. Oh yeah. my gosh. And then we do like bridges and they have to like hold their bridge and then like pick one hand up and like do all these crazy things. And then they go home and practice it. Mm-hmm. So I just pick all the skills. I And then in my jazz class, I did, um, they had to hold their posse without a wiggle in my baby, in my five to seven year old jazz class for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they all like every week we're like, Miss Dana, I can hold it for 10 now. <laughs> and they get so hyped. And I'm like, guys, you literally, I give you like a, a dollar piece of candy and you're excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, would you say that by switching your focus from, you know, we got to get these skills, we got to get this, this technique going, um, to more of a, you know, as you say, meet the kids where they are and, and give them the social interaction and, and the, the fun challenges. Did you notice any difference in the caliber of their dancing or their acro by the end of the year? I did. I still saw an improvement. It helped us, especially as teachers, think outside of the box. Oh, but- you saw an improvement. I mm-hmm. was wondering if you might have seen a decline if you take the focus off of, all right, we're here to work and say, all right, we're here to have fun. I was concerned that maybe there would be a decline in their tech, in their performance, but you say no, it actually no. improved. Okay. It helps us think outside the box. Like me, I love you. I use so many props in my classes. And like, I have chalk markers are my favorite thing. I take chalk markers and I scribble all over my floor and on my mirrors and my walls. And like, cause then they have something to spot. You can write down your choreography on the mirrors. It's great. Um, and then we, for like tondus, super easy, but like boring when you go over it a hundred million times. So we come up, came up with like all new analogies to tell them, to get them excited about it then we take chalk markers and we draw lines on the floor and they have to keep their leg knee straight and erase the lines with their toes. Mm. So like, we're still driving home the concept, Okay. but it's off the bar, not so serious. They get to giggle. And then when they go home, they're like, Hey mom, look at the bottom of my shoes are purple now. And then <laughs> they like work really hard on it. Um, and then when something really works and things start kind of 
clicking in their brain me and the teachers we all have this like group of hey i did this game in class and it was great you should try it and oh, i that's feel great. like it really helped that is great i i love that um one of the things that we're kind of struggling with right now at our studio is i just feel like the students um like everyone that i encounter in the world right now just seems a little lackluster like where is that inner spark and mm -hmm. so it seems like you've really figured out how to kind of relight that little spark for these kids um and it's something that i i do have an age group that's so having the time of their lives like they're living their best life right now almost to the point where i have to go in because right over my office is uh one of the studios and i hear them just exuding all this joy and sometimes i have to stop myself because i want to go up there like miss robin and be like girls that's not like no fun in dance class <laughs> um but i i let you know i i i remember march and april and may of 2020 and i would come into my office every day and it was cold and it was dark and it was it was lonely in here and quiet and I was so sad, you know, and you just work and you're like this, we're going to get through this. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> and when they came back, um, I was so happy to have the giggles and the little footsteps running over my head and, you know, the sillies that I said, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. But I saw um, a decline in their technical ability um i would say 20 well 2020 i guess like the in during the fall of 2020 and yeah. then we started to slowly kind of you know come on guys we got to get back to work by january we were like we got work to do and by our spring show i feel like the dancers looked really good i, I felt that they were very strong but i was i'm still trying to find that balance between the the joy and the discipline, you know, mm -hmm. and with older kids who have decided that dance is their thing and they're not doing any other activities, they're just dancing. I have to be able to give them those quality results. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to say they're at the wrong studio because we're too fun and it's not mm -hmm. serious enough. So I'm just trying to find that balance. And there's not a one size fits all answer for every for every studio or for every student. Because, you, I mean, my studio is very different from yours. So what works for you, I might have to tweak a little bit, you know, obviously for my population. But even within my studio, there are some kids that just need completely different things. People are... And it's also like, when you walk in, like, I have so many ideas. And I'll be like, oh, I'm, this is going to be a great choreography day. I'm going to get so much of my dance done. And then I go on, my kids are nutcases. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I know I'm not getting... I'm just going to get annoyed. They're going to get annoyed. They're going to get frustrated. So I usually just throw it out the window. Mm -hmm. And I think about the skills that I'm teaching in that class. Like if I have this really great choreography piece and there's like, uh, I want them to have this really perfect turn. Okay. What can I do to teach turns in a fun way that'll keep the giggles, but really drive something home? Usually competitions work. Kids mm -hmm. are all competitive. <laughs> that's great that that's really great um i yeah that's i i feel like we've gotten to the the core of your of your secret sauce 
I think that your secret sauce is just thinking outside the box and making everything seem fun and different and new and joyful. I also try and start my dances latest December for everybody. And then we have a recital in May because then there's no crunch time. Mm. So then those days where I'm supposed to choreograph, I can just like throw it out the window. Um, we play games with our dances too. Like I play freeze dance with the recital dances. Okay. How do you do that? The best game ever. So you, I sit up front once they know their dance and they're kind of, even like my mm-hmm. babies, they do it. And then I'll stop the music. Then they have to run and find a new number and tell me what comes next. <laughs> and then whoever like tells me kind of the right thing. We all do that. And then I start the music again and then I stop it again. And then they have to run, find a new number mm-hmm. and then pick up their chance where we left off and they love it. And it's fun. And it just drives home. Like literally the last week, um, like leading up to recital, it's boring. They're done. They know their dance. Mm. Like They don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and then we do it. Like every time I stop the music, they have to do a silly face mm-hmm. or they have to do like, I call it a turtle where they have to like crouch down like a turtle and just kind of mixing things up and drives home a little bit of technique in the middle of it. Yeah. That's great. So are you also doing things outside of the classroom that keep the kids um, engaged? Like, I don't know, PJ party or Halloween party, or are you doing like those types of events or are you having all your fun, you know, on the regularly scheduled Monday night at six time slot? Regular scheduled day. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. And um, yeah, I think that, what I've been noticing in my community is everybody's got activities going on right now. And I started a Facebook group um, for kids activities and I invited like the gymnastics and the swimming and everybody else to post their um, events in my group. So I'm moderating it. So I'm just, I'm, and I don't have young kids. So I, now I'm seeing like, oh my God, our community has so many things. There's this pumpkin thing. There's a trunk or treat. There's, there's just so many things going on. Um, but what I'm noticing is a lot of it is short sessions and low commitment. And I'm hearing from my fam from uh, prospects that have not made a commitment. People just are, are reluctant to make big commitments right now. And I don't know why. I mean, there could be a variety of reasons like uncertainty of what's coming next or just like people enjoying this sense of, um, let's just have dinner together as a family more, you know, and, and let's not be a slave to our schedule and have, you know, overbooked our calendars. So I'm, I'm starting to really notice that the things that are working in our community are those short little, um, low commitment doses of happiness. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're doing that kind of stuff too, where, you know, a kid doesn't have to come six days a week. They can come once. <laughs> short sweet and then they're in and they're out and if they miss the class they miss the class yeah yeah but it's nice especially like weeks like this like it's halloween week so all the kids dress up in costume all we're doing is playing games and like doing mm-hmm. some dances and whatever mm-hmm. they don't want to miss dance class especially most of the kids have friends in their dance class 
you know, one kid signs up and all their friends sign up with them because mm. they want to be with their friends. So if they miss dance class, they miss their time to hang out with their friends. Right. That's brilliant. So what is your marketing specifically look like? Because one of the things that I, I'm, I feel strongly about is that as studio owners, we should market honestly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing that your marketing looks like, um, you know, you're not, you don't have dancers all in leotard and buns and Vaganova style, like, you know, beat them over with the head with the stick and promising, you know, a future in a professional ballet company. That's not your studio vibe. So clearly you're not marketing in that direction. What are you, what are your, what are you saying in your marketing that's getting your vibe across? I pretty much in everything that I post online, I say family friendly, mm-hmm. fun, exciting, new, like all these exciting things. And then I always make sure, you know how, when you go through all of your studio pictures after picture day, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of kids that just shine but their techniques, not perfect. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm seven years, I have a studio for seven years. So my kids are, they're great, but there's a lot that just started with me. Mm-hmm. So their techniques not beautiful. Mm-hmm. I still buy those pictures because those kids look amazing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like their joy I, is, I mean, the theme, yeah. I keep saying that word, but that's what I'm getting from you is just like your kids are happy. And so if you find a picture of a kid with just this happiness on their face and their foot is a little sickled, the foot doesn't matter. It's the joy. Yeah. So you're, you're putting that forward in your marketing. And I'm also, I have, it breaks my heart every time I get a phone call because I get them all the time. I'm sure you do too. When people call and they're like, my seven-year-old really wants to do ballet, but they've never danced before. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. And I always love to say, I was like, Misty Copeland didn't start till she was like 17. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I like to put pictures of kids that may not look perfect because I, I want those kids. I kind of want those kids that like are too intimidated to go to like the powerhouse studio down the street Mm. or like the, there's this, like a ballet strict ballet academy up in another town they don't feel like they fit in there because Mm -hmm. they haven't been dancing there since they were three Mm -hmm. but all their friends dance Mm -hmm. so usually like when i have them come in and we do a dance class like i break everything down in every class also so for all different levels because Mm -hmm. sometimes even the kids that are your oldest kids who have been with you since they were babies need a refresher on the basics Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Because all of a sudden they really want to crank that leg all the way up, but they should really only be at 90. So then we work with the basics and then they come in, they're like, oh, I'm really not that far off. Mm -hmm. Nice. And it's nice. And then they're happy and they're thrilled. And especially in, I usually handle costumes in January. So that really sparks everybody up and they're like, oh, okay. Like that kind of fires them up enough to like for the second half of the year. Yeah. Wow. Do you, ha- you may not know the answer to this question, but do you have any idea how the mega competition studio or the ballet Academy in your area are doing? Are, do you, yeah. I'm wondering if you're, if maybe given that we just talked about how pe- people are just looking for joy, are people coming to you from more serious programs and saying, we just want happiness and joy in our dancing and mm-hmm. less. Yeah. So you are hearing that from new new people especially the little ones Mm -hmm. like a lot of my um I get a lot of little kids 
um, usually like five or six and they'll come in and say like, she cried every ballet class because they yelled at her. I'm like, why are you yelling at a three-year-old? Like, that's not my <laughs> philosophy. That's not my teaching philosophy. Like they're three, they're three, like, come on. Um, and then they kind of start with me and then they can really grow into their own, mm-hmm. like every dancer is an individual and they need to be taught differently. Yeah. Um, and that's my big philosophy on teaching. And I feel like it's growing. Like ha- I've lost kids too, mm-hmm. that want to be professional dancers and want to go on point as soon as they can and have a strict ballet class. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm so happy for you. That's just not me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that you have completely embraced your, um, your vision and it's like no apologies. It's like, this is who we are. This is what we do. And you're clearly thriving. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're really succeeding because you're, you're not trying to do something that goes against your heart and you are just owning it and, and people are attracted to that. So I'm so proud of you. I'm so impressed with you. (laughs) Thanks so much for for coming on and sharing your secret sauce. Thanks for having me. I think I might use some of your ideas. (laughs) Um, I've got a list of things I jotted down. Um, So before we go, let's um, share a heart happy moment. Anything that's made you, I mean, sounds like every moment makes you happy. But is there something that stands out over the last week or two that just has really made your heart happy? Um, well, it's Halloween week. It's my favorite week of the year. So I've had some pretty funny costumes this week. Last night I was a competition dancer. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I pulled out all of my old ribbons and medals and I covered my studio jacket in them. Like my old stuff. <laughs> and I walked around like that all day with a crown and... I was oh like, you know, 20 years ago. And then um, I wore like my old like platter tutu. So they thought that was like amazing. Um, especially because I, it was the only day I don't teach acro. So that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but the kids just like seeing my costumes and saying like, oh, you really did used to be a dancer. They got so many questions. They were like grabbing my ribbons and my medals and was like, oh, what was this for? What was this for? And it was fun because every single one of those ribbons has such a distinct memory in my brain. Mm. And one of them was I, for one of my first pieces of choreography that I did, I choreographed my own solo one year. And I was like, oh, like, so I showed them the video of my old solo. Oh my gosh. Did they love and that? The fact that they could like see me dancing yeah. was yeah. really nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny because all of the, the, footage of me dancing back in the day I'm 52 so it was like back in the 80s um was videotape and all of it's kind of evaporated away and I'm I'm okay with that (laughs) there's no evidence (laughs) my heart happy moment is uh one I got an email from a parent her daughter's seven she's been in our program for quite a while And um, she wrote me an email saying that her daughter expressed to her that she was just really grateful that at her dance studio at EMC, she did not have to wear a mask. (laughs) And um, because in in our community, they have to wear masks at school all day. And it's a struggle. So um, just that this little girl was so happy that she got to, you know, 
be liberated from it in her after school activities. And she was able to articulate that. And then that the mom shared that with me because taking that stance is a bit of a, it's difficult, you know, and hearing the parents who say, Hey, thanks for, thanks for digging down your heels in this one and, and, and doing this for our kids. That, that made me feel good. Sometimes you need a little pat on the back to remind you that, what you're doing, like standing strong in your own convictions is, um, is worth it. And yeah. that people, people are, are liking that. So we're benefiting from it. So that's, that was my little heart happy moment. I had to print out the email and put it in my happy box so that I can, um, read it on those hard days. I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a bit, I've got several boxes that, uh, over the years I have filled up and it, it really does come in handy sometimes. <laughs> um, I actually took your, a while ago on one of the calls after recital, you said you like read your happy emails to your dad mm -hmm. like, the day after recital. <laughs> so I told my husband that I was like, I'm going to read all of my emails to you the day after recital. Did he love that yeah, or was going in the trash? <laughs> Did now, did you, does he like that or was, yeah, he loves okay. it. yeah, good, good. Recital is the one day of the year he like sees me working. So it's, and yeah, it is. And it's nice to have someone that is just cheering you on for like, and, and for us as studio owners, those, those letters or emails or the, just those words that people say directly to you after the show, when they're just so happy about the work that you did that's priceless yeah that, that is priceless that's 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 more important than all those numbers we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast yeah but it's so it's it really is um it really is a blessing and then to have your husband join in the the joy there um that's nice. he works as like he's my like stage hand He's the muscle of a recital, lugging mats in and out and all that fun stuff. So he probably gets caught up in the in the excitement of it all too. Yeah, which is hilarious because he. I always tell him, I was like, have you ever pictured your life being literally covered in glitter and sparkle? <laughs> Especially now that we have two girls. <laughs> yeah, the glitter and the sparkle is not going away anytime soon for him. Never. Yeah, my husband says the same thing. He's like, I never would have thought in a million years that I would be like live in the dance studio life and being in Annie Jr. or, <laughs> you well, know. Yeah, and then at recital, people will always ask him questions about like what's happening that day. And he's like. I just do as I'm told and live. He's like, I have a list and the maths need to go out on number three, eight and 12. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, it's great that he's so supportive. It really is because it could really st make your life so much harder as a studio owner without a supportive partner. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, Dana, thanks so much for chatting with me this afternoon. Thanks, Robin. And um, we will look forward to um, seeing you in the group soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye, Robin. Bye.